Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. A lot has happened since we last recorded. Three high school milers have broken four minutes, and none of them are the fastest high scorer of 2022. Sydney McLaughlin ran one of the fastest times ever in the 400-meter hurdles, but it won't count. Ailish McColgan just destroyed all of the top Ethiopians in a 10,000-meter track race. Will Sumner almost broke the high school 800-meter record. Two men broke eight minutes in the steeplechase for the first time in 10 years. Carsten Warhol might be injured, and Ray's Tate has gone to war with Shakari Richardson on Twitter. Oh yeah, the NCAA championships start on Wednesday, the Rome Diamond League is on Thursday, a loaded New York Mini 10K is on Saturday, and the USATF NYC Grand Prix is on Sunday. So nice quiet week on the podcast, guys. I don't even know where to start. I'm here in Eugene, boots on the ground, for the NCAA championships, always one of my favorite meets of the year. You know it's going to be good. Finals day on Friday for the men, Saturday for the women. Wish you guys were here. Robert Johnson, Weldon Johnson, my co-host. I'm Jonathan Gold. Anyway, I'm going to miss you guys. Normally, at least one of you, we're going to Tracktown Pizza. We're going to the Wild Duck. We're setting the scene. We're talking to people in the mix zone. It won't be the same without you guys. Jonathan, the NCAAs are a special meet for me. I'd love to be there since I was once one of the top coaches in the NCAA. But I just thought this year it was best to sit out all the new rumors about Robert Johnson being terminated at Oregon or not being renewed or leaving on his own volition. I thought people might be assuming that was me without a, well, you know, a contract. But good to see you in Eugene. I'm a little disappointed. That does not look like Karen's Airbnb. I didn't get to that story on the normal podcast last week. I stayed with Karen. Her husband found Steve Prefontaine still alive after the car accident. It was a great story, but we don't have time to do it today. It's behind the paywall, folks. I want to get the second podcast every week. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. But John, all these, there's so much stuff to talk about. And we only have limited time because you have to meet an insider for a beer in an hour and a half. Plus, it's pretty late here on the East Coast. We'd like to apologize to all these super supporting club members that are watching this live. I did start 30 minutes late today. We said we'd be going live at 10 p.m. We didn't start till 10.30. Oh, wait. I'm just kidding, folks. Supporting club members, there's not really a super supporters club where you pay extra for live access. But, hey, maybe that's a good idea for the future. Uh, I don't know. Based on some of your comments before we started recording, for Robert, I think it's better if we keep that unavailable to anyone except for the three of us. Weldon, good to see you this evening. How are you feeling? You don't seem as excited for NCAAs as me and Robert, Weldon. I'm excited, John. I'm excited. Sorry. I was just trying to think of something very clever to say. Words are escaping me this, this late hour. It's crazy that when we lasted this podcast that not a single one of these three high schoolers had gone sub three. We've had three sub high school sub fours in the last week. I mean, that's nuts. Well, well, Gary Martin had gone sub four before he did it again, but then we also had Connor Burns, a junior joined him on Thursday at the festival of miles. And then the next night, Reinhardt Harrison did it. So that was the crazy thing to me is we went from 1967 to 2001 without any high school mi- sub four milers. And then we had three in the span of 24 hours last week. It's just pretty crazy. Wait, I take that back. We did talk about 
the first two sub four minute miles on the supporters club only podcast, the Friday 15. But then we had another sub four that night. And yeah, it is crazy that the first sub four minute mile in the history of the United States was by a junior Jim Ryan. And then we didn't have another one for 50. What is it? How many years, John? Well, it was 1964, and now it's 2022, so it's 58 years. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And on that podcast, I said, hey, when are we going to have 10 sub-4 high schools in a year? Will we have it before 2030? And Eric, I'm not sure. Boom, we get another one the next night. So I think we will have it before 2030. We'll have 10 in one year. I still don't buy that. We've had four this year, which is a lot, but you think we're going to have more than double that? Within eight years, I don't see it. I just wish that I had been smart enough on the Friday 15 to predict that Reinhardt Harrison sub four. Because I'm text buddies with Tom Denman Schwartz. When the whole 10 minute elite thing and they took his name and kicked him to the curb, I had to side with the coach. Being a coach myself, I had to sign with a little, uh, I, hope I hope Tom's not necessarily listening, but a little socially awkward man because my coach was socially awkward. But Tom Schwartz, folks, does anyone give any praise to him? He's the only, he's now made history himself as well. He's the only guy to have ever coached two U.S. high schoolers to sub four now. So, congratulations to him. He had told me that Reinhardt, I mean, Reinhardt ran like 401, I think, in 10th grade, but he said he was in monster shape last year just because of COVID, didn't get the opportunity. His, his school supposedly has weird rules about traveling. He was part of the high school team. So to do it in a high school-only race with really erratic pacing. Oh, I forgot to put this in the week that was, but Tom sent me his handwritten notes. He watched the broadcast like four times. The second lap was like 63. They went like 58, 63. Still gets the job done. This guy's three-quarters of a second faster than Colin Solomon at 800 right now. So... How crazy it is, though. We cannot get any of the matchups we want. It doesn't look like, well, we'll get Gary Martin and Colin Solomon in the same race, or even Gary Martin and Reinhard Harrison in the same race, or even Wade, Will Sumner and Kate Flat in the same 800. So we talk about the pros never racing. We can't even get the high scores to race. Now, part of that is because, you know, these guys are pretty talented. Some of them want to run the eight. Some of them want to run the 1600. Now, Sean Brosnan said that to me. He's like, look, we talked to Hobbs Kessler. And he said, I never took a good crack at 800. So Solomon wants to run the 800 for the rest of the year. I get it, but it's still disappointing to me. And plus, part of it is also the fact that these shoe companies all have their own high school nationals. Adidas has one. Nike has one. New Balance has one. USATF has one. And isn't somebody else? Brooks, a, Brooks has one. Yeah, Brooks has a sort of one for the distance runners. Yeah, it's funny, Robert, last week I said, or I think it was the Friday 15, I said I wasn't going to criticize the high schoolers for not racing each other because, you know, it's not as easily arranged as the pros. But it is kind of a bummer that we have such a glut of talent in the mile. No, look, we did get Burns and Mont race each other, two sub fours in the same race last week. So it's not all bad, but yeah, it's kind of a bummer we can't get the top guys racing each other, especially now we've got it in both eight. We've got the second and third fastest high school 800 runners in history. Cade Flat and Gary and um, Will Sumner. They've both run 146. 
And it doesn't look like they have a matchup on the cards either. So maybe they can both do USA under-20s, but yeah. I'm, I'm not going to bash these guys for dodging each other, the high school kids. By the way, I've just come up with a, a genius idea. I haven't even run this by Weldon. If you're a top high scorer, instead of paying one of these top coaches, by the way, I'm great friends with the run CCG guys, Chris Catton. I love him as well. Instead of paying them to coach you, how about, can you sign an NLI with me? What's it called? NIL? We'll pay you to be trained by me. We'll put it behind the paywall. We'll make it a thing. I want to have a coaching thing. I'll coach the top high schoolers. Maybe I'll get Chris to help me. Shit, we could do all three. We could do a, a, a tag team. Me, Chris Catton, and Tim and Schwartz. I'll coach this kid. We debate what workout he should do. Or she, I guess. Anyways, if you're interested, email me, Robert, and let's run. I have lots of crazy ideas. Probably, probably won't follow through on that one, just like I haven't followed through on my children's book. Hopefully this year, my Christmas is out. Well, that's Robert's pitch to the best high school milers in America. I have lots of crazy ideas. Sign up for my program. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some pro running action. Lots of stuff to discuss. I mean, what stands out to you guys? I'm kind of interested. The 400 hurdles in general, I think, had a, it was a lot of news in that event. It started on, well, it was all on Sunday, essentially, because there was the Music City Track Carnival in Nashville. And Sydney McLaughlin runs 51.61, would have been the number three time in history, except then it comes out. A few people, including Femke Bowles, coach on Twitter, note actually those hurdles were not placed in the correct spot. Hurdles five and six, I think they were too far apart or one of them was too close together. Anyway, so somehow McLaughlin ends up, you know, it totally throws off her stride pattern. And yet she still runs 51.61. So I think the takeaway from that race is actually if those hurdles have been placed correctly and it doesn't screw her up, she probably breaks her own world record of 51.46, does she not? Well, she's only 0.15 off. Yeah. I didn't bother to go actually look up with the world record. I guess I should have realized when it said number two time ever, it had to be pretty close. Number three time ever. I think I said number two initially. It was number... McLaughlin, McLaughlin's world record was 51-46. Muhammad ran 51-58 last year, and then on Sunday it was 51-61 for McLaughlin. They were within .12 at the Olympics? Yeah, they were, they were pretty close. Pretty close? I mean, that's really close. Um, yeah, that's crazy, John. You'd think with one hurdle off, was this race on the ESPN? The, it was supposed to be on one of the ESPN family of networks, but then they said there was some technical issues with the American Track League. I do appreciate what Paul Doyle's trying to do, but they've had a lot of issues with this series this far in 2022. Some of it be on their control, the weather in Jacksonville, but this was another one. The broadcast, it was, it, I think eventually it may have been shown on ESPN, but they were basically like, you, you have to kind of watch this on our Vimeo channel and subscribe to it to see it so they did have some issues with the broadcast i'm not sure if it, i was not watching at the time so i'm not sure exactly what the situation was it's kind of ironic right that the, that the american track was well, the whole point of it was to get Amer american track on espn and espn too i think this meet was going to be streamed only but they messed it up it can't even stream on espn so it's a good thing she didn't break the record because i don't think there was any broadcast of it how how Weird would it be in the year 2022 we're relying on a cell phone camera to broadcast? 
No, I did see. I saw a broadcast footage of the race after it happened. Oh, you Somewhat, did. It, it was recorded by some broadcast. How many inches feet. off was the hurdle? Do we know? I thought I read it, but I've already forgotten. I'm not entirely sure, but I think she had to do essentially like 13 two steps, steps 16 steps, 14 steps. So it like threw off. I think she had to do two extra steps for one of them, and then like one too few for another one. Like I do think it matters, and I sh- I can't believe I didn't research this. Like if it's two even steps off, then it's not that big of a deal. You're just hurdling earlier. A, she's an amazing athlete. It shows that she's just not. It's not programmed in her head. She's actually athletic enough and smart enough to like wait. There's the hurdle. I'm gonna hurdle it. But if it's if it happens to be two steps, it's not gonna mess you up that much. Versus if it's one and a half, you're screwed. But to me, when I watch this and I've started a message board thread about this, this confirms to me that the women's hurdle heights are not high enough because. This should really destroy your race. Now, if it happened to be, it was perfectly two steps away, then it's different. But uh, to me, like, and I, and I put the math up on, you know, the ratios up on this article that I wrote. But basically, for the men's hurdle height, is 36 inches. For the women, it's 30 inches. And if you compare that to the average male height and average female height, the men are over 50%. It's like 51%. Women are like 46%. There's a big gap there. And I think that, we should pop the women's hurdles height up three inches, and then the ratios would be the same, and we'd have equality. Yet again, yours truly advocating that women be treated the same as men. Well, Robert, there are two things that I wanted to address. One, I don't think you factored in that men, because that you talk about this all the time when it comes to DSD stuff, because men have this testosterone advantage, they can also jump higher like it's not just all about height. Like a six foot man and a six foot woman, a six foot the average six foot man is going to be able to jump higher because they're a man because they have testosterone. So you might be fat to that in, but I do kind of see what you're saying with the with the argument. But then the other thing is Sydney McLaughlin's so good that she like it, it's almost unfair to judge other 400 hurdlers against her because she's such a. I mean, I guess Muhammad's not that far behind her time, but you could say McLaughlin might not even be at her best yet. She she's just so good. She's such a freak athlete that all the freak, you know, very best in their events, they're going to make you reconsider. Oh, is this event too easy? So maybe I don't know if she's the best one to be saying. Oh, the best woman in history to do this event. She makes it look easy. Therefore, it's it's easy. It's what. Well, yeah, but she's also the best ever. John, did you steal that thing about women jumping? you know, less than men for the message board. Is that where you first saw that? No, that was an original. I mean, it's not a very, I don't know. I, I didn't see it on the message board, but I can't have been the only person to have that thought, right? Okay. It's one of the most upvoted posts of the day. It's by an anonymous poster. IDK. People, you need to post with your real username because the Poster of the week last week. We didn't even say anything. He said, hey, I had the post of the week mentioned on the podcast. Can I get a free Let's Run shirt? I did him one better. I sent him a free pair of on shoes. So we're still giving away on shoes from time to time. If you want a free pair of shoes, leave us a voicemail. Get the post of the week, whatever you want. But to leave us a voicemail, contact us. Email us at podcast at letsrun.com or call 1-844-LETS-RUN. But yeah, John, men can jump higher than women too. So it's it's not just a difference of height. And also, I think we're kind of speculating something we don't know that much about sprints in general. But 
I don't know, maybe early on in the race. One, I think it shows what an amazing athlete athlete Sid is. Like you're just expecting the hurdles to be the the set distance, and then she has to adapt. Like, oh my god, it's different. Like she's actually looking at the at the hurdle and changing on the fly and still running that fast. That is amazing. But physiologically, do you think there's somehow like maybe early in the race or later? I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing, making this up. You have a hurdle earlier, then you have more steps afterwards for the next hurdle, and maybe it could actually help you. Like I, I don't know. I, I threw I threw it out. Maybe the the hurdle should be placed at randomly. Randomly, like they should be the same for everybody, but the athletes don't know where they're going to be. That's more natural when we run and jump something. They're all not like you know exactly however many meters apart. We need more variability in the sport. Then you have alligators come out and chase the runners, that sort of stuff. You know, I don't think many of my ideas are going to catch on. Yeah, I'd want to see that trial at some meet before we make that shift. But it's a, I don't know. I think the 400 hurdles is pretty damn exciting the way it is right now. I don't think we need to be making any shifts to it. So before now on the Friday 15, we should do a little research on that, as well as how did the other people in this race run compared to their PR? Do we know? Yeah, I didn't look that up, to be honest. I didn't, but, I didn't even see your results apart from McLaughlin's. Time. Well, because American Track League makes it absolutely impossible to find results. You have to go to their some roster app or something. Anyways, let's move to the men's 400 hurdles. So, John, we're watching the race on Sunday, working on the recaps. My son wanted to go outside or something. I fell a little bit behind, and I was having trouble with YouTube TV on my phone, and my options were go live or start at the beginning. If I went to the beginning, though, it wouldn't let me fast forward. So I had to go go live and then rewind. But I knew, I looked at my phone, I had a schedule in front of me. I go, if I go live right now, the 400 hurdles just went off, just finished. But I didn't want to wait like three minutes for their commercial and try to go back. So I said, screw it, go live. And I see Warholm clearly didn't win the race. And I'm like, holy shit, what happened here? And I don't know, I was assuming he got beat which to me would have been more upsetting because then I think I had no hope for the rest of the season that he was going to be amazing. But I don't know, man. If you hurt your hamstring, that's not very good either. So then I find out that he's injured. And if it's just a crap, you know, I because I, I want to see him be amazing. I want to see Dos Santos be amazing. I want to see Benjamin be amazing. I just want these guys to push each other to a crazy world record. So... It was kind of a bummer, but I do have a conspiracy theory about this race. I mean, Warholm's one of my favorite athletes. People are always like, you're bashing Shikari. You're racist. Dude, I've got idea for you in my head. My head is full of ideas, and there's one here. Did you notice what was very suspicious about this race, John? Oh, I know exactly what you're getting into, and I still haven't received... I mean, I haven't really asked anyone this question, but how did he get an ice bag on that thing so quickly? I, they I cut swear- away... Did he get an ice bag before the race was over? I it was. I don't know sure if it did. was. But he may have. But th- as soon as they showed him after the race was finished, which was like maybe 10 seconds after the race was finished, he had an ice bag on that hamstring. That was within a minute of the injury happening. So I don't know if he... He seemed to say in his post-race interviews that this was not a problem he was ex- anticipating to happen. But... I do want to know what the whole ice setup in Rabat is because it's fascinating that he was able to get it on there that quickly. Okay, the guy in the grassy knoll with the ice bag. Wait, heard, you heard you guys talking about this. That was a little bullshit. 
but he's around the turn like 60 or 70 meters when he's got the ice bag. This does get a little bit more suspicious. If he's yeah, right by the coach, finish, it was his coach right there. It was the first, it was the first time in between hurdles one and two, his coach was there talking to him in which, okay, his coach could watch the race from anywhere. So that doesn't surprise me, but yeah, it was strange. I don't know. Maybe he's from Norway. He's got a good deal on ice. I'm not sure what the situation was, but well, if his coach happens to be there and he gives him an ice bag right after every race, he would be prepared. He just hands him the ice. But I don't know if that's something they do. Anyway, you know, I, I don't think that's... He said it wasn't something he expected to be dealing with. So I don't think it's that he was carrying something. But something didn't look right immediately because normally Warholm is like the fastest starter. He'll leap out of the blocks. He takes those super long strides. And he's got a lead by like hurdle one. And I watched in hurdle one, he was basically got, he didn't make up any of the stagger. And then he kind of hit it. And then from there, it was just game over. You know, he's, he landed a little weird and then he pulls up. And initially, we get a quote from the meet organizers, the flash quote saying that he thinks that he tore his hamstring, which I was like, wow, it must be awful. If he's saying he thinks he tore his hamstring right after the race, it must be really bad. But then, he actually does a video interview and he says he thinks it's a cramp. So really, I don't think anyone's going to know until he gets some sort of tests run on it. But obviously a worrying sign. Worlds are now less than six weeks away. And I- I'm worried if sometimes in these events, we get such a great Olympic final that we kind of get cursed for the next year. Because remember, 2016... Olympic final. What is the race of the 2016 Olympics? It's the men's 400 meters with Wade Van Niekirk. And he runs a world record in that final. Now, okay, he did win worlds next year in London. But then after that, he hasn't been, you know, he blew out his ACL or his knee in the touch rugby game and he hasn't been the same. And I'm just looking at the 400 hurls this year. Alison Dos Santos has been great, but Rye Benjamin had to withdraw from pre. I think it sounded like he had a bad case of COVID. Now he's withdrawn from this weekend's meet in New York as well. And now Warholm's injured. What was going to be one of the races of the world championships, it could, it could still come together, but it's not looking as promising right now um, with Worlds just a little over a month away. Wait, Worlds is just a little over a month away? That sounds crazy. It's June 7th right now, well then. Late night on June 7th. And Worlds start on July 15th. So, a little over a month away. I was about to say, for you pro runners listening to this podcast, you better be getting in shape, but I take that back. You better be in shape, except if you're an American, because USA's are... USA's two weeks from this weekend? Yes. Where's Jenny Simpson? Jenny Simpson hasn't raced at all in 2022. Is she just not going to run? Like, this is... That's a major question to me. Does she even have a qualifier? I need to look if can she get into the meet? Does she have a time from last year? Like this is only the greatest American miler, female miler of all time. And we don't know what's happening. Is she retired? She's in Eugene. She she was here for the Hall of Fame, the college Hall of Fame induction thing. So maybe I'll have to track her down somewhere. Didn't I say, John? She wouldn't run this year? Pretty sure I said that. She's running out of time. And I'm totally speculating, but put two and two together. She's not she's not running this year. Colin Quigley is running 
her first steeple in like three years at the Portland Track Festival this weekend. That's also, that's on Saturday night. There are a bunch of pros running there. So that's her first race of the year as well. So, but I don't, I haven't looked at the entries. I don't think Jenny Simpson's entered in there. So yeah, at this point, I would, if I had Magic 8 Ball, I'd say Science Point to now for Jenny running USA's. She did announce the Drake Relays. Fabulous job. She did. Yeah, it won't be the same though. I mean, no Centro USA's. If there's no Centro and no Jenny Simpson, I mean, for a generation of track and field fans, that's going to be very odd indeed. Uh, because certainly as long as I've covered the sport, there have been fixtures not just there, but in contention to win. That They might not be there at all in the 1500 finals. It's just very, very odd. Okay, the other big thing that happened in Rabat, I thought this was the race of the meet. It was the men's steeplechase. We had a terrific duel between Lamecha Gurma of Ethiopia, the Olympic silver medalist, and Sufian Al-Bakali of Morocco, the Olympic champion. And it's exactly how we kind of thought it was going to play out. Al-Bakali's got the kick. Gurma is a guy who kind of needs to go from the front. And Gurma set a very fast pace. He'd run 7.58 earlier in the week in Ostrava. He comes back five days later and runs 7.59 in Rabat, a terrific run, except Albacali ran like a champ, like the Olympic champion he is, held on, breaks him in the home straight. Crowd goes crazy. I don't know if the king of Morocco or the head of state or whoever it was, there was certainly some bit political bigwig in a private box after the race that Albacali went up and celebrated with, but the crowd was going nuts. Like the crowd for that race, definitely better than what we saw at the pre-classic. There were more people in the stands of Rabat than we had for the pre-classic. Um, but I, I think it's really great when you have that country that just has like the one Olympic champion and the whole meets kind of built around that athlete. And then they get to run, you know, you get some pretty exciting scenes. So that, that was really the highlight to me. And, Obviously, the times are impressive, too, because we were sort of lamenting how poor the men's steeplechase was last year. The world leader was only 8.07, which is, apart from the COVID years, was the slowest world leader since the mid-90s. And now we've already got two guys sub-8 in 2022. And Concesos Rudo coming back into form. He ran 8.12. That was his best race for years. Hillary Bohr from the U.S. ran a U.S. leader of 8.13. So... Steeple trending upwards after a bot. The race was phenomenal. It was the first time we had two sub eights since when? Like 2013, 2012, 2012 10 years. I mean, that's crazy. And we had no, I just, I don't know. I feel like sub eights happen every year and they haven't been recently, which is nuts. And. I don't know. I'm glad to see two guys do it in one race. Early in the year, they sort of established, like, hey, we're here ready to run. So, I mean, last year, Concesso Scipruto, 8 is what he ran he, in early June. That might have had you sitting pretty pretty. But now he's got 14 seconds to make up. I'm glad to see him back from an athletic standpoint. It's great. I want to see the best in the world competing. And... We saw that in Morocco. I mean, this, this is the best our sport can do at a, at a non-championship, right? An invested crowd, tight battle, fast time. 
it doesn't get much better than that unless they break the world record. And I don't know. I always, do you guys think the same as me? World record 753.63. Every time somebody runs 758, I'm like, come on, five seconds in the steeple. It's not that much faster. Nobody's I mean, close to it. Evan Jager, we, your favorite race? Well, then, we almost had two sub eights in that race because Jairus Birach broke eight minutes. Jager would have run 756 or 757 without the full. I was always surprised that. You know, there haven't been people coming closer to that world record. It was set, what, back in 04, 05 by Saif Saeed Shaheen. And then we came very close. I think Brim and Kip Rudo came 100th away from breaking it in Monaco in 2011. But there's been a lot of great, you know, a lot of good steeplers since that. Kenboy never got it. And Consessor Skip Rudo somehow has never broken eight minutes despite being a three time global champion. So, yeah, I am, I am a little surprised that no one's really come that close to that mark for, for a decade now. Well, that's because we're a little bit older. Anyone that's under the age of 25, they came a track at Bill Pan in high school. They'd never even seen a sub eight until this week. It was almost seven years. We saw, okay, we saw one sub eight in six years and 10 months. We saw three in the last week. I mean, when we recorded the podcast last Tuesday, it hadn't happened, right? Now three of them happened. So, I'm on a steeple high. Also, this race played out exactly how I was hoping it would play out because I didn't originally even know the Germa was going to be in there, but I'm like, hey, Alba Colley's already opened up at 8.09. The weather, I'm obsessed with the weather. The high was like 75 in Morocco that day. I'm like, he's already run 8.09. Why wouldn't he try to run fast? Then once I saw Germa was going to be in there, I'm like, this is going to happen, and it did. I was totally on a steeple high until 20 seconds ago. Got bad news to report, gentlemen. I had heard a rumor that Evan Jager might be running the running the Rome Diamond League. We get for Caputo back in the mix. Could Jager dip into the Fountain of Youth? But Caputo's a lot younger. He's like twenty seven, right? How old is Jager? Anyways, I just saw the Rome Diamond League start list. He is not on it. Okay, a bit. Okay, Bauman, track club athlete, not going to Europe to run Diamond League a week before USA's. Is that really a big news or two weeks before USA's? I feel like that's hardly breaking news, Robert. Pascal Doversity might do it, so I was getting optimistic. To me, that means things are going well. He needs a race. A Diamond League race is a whole nother level. If you're going to take that with all the travel two weeks before USA's that's one, I think a sign of huge confidence. And maybe they said, look, you don't need that type of race. Maybe he'll race once between now and then, because I think Jager does need some hard efforts in his legs because guys are running fast. You know, Hillary Bohr did well in this thing. Some other guys ran well at music city. I think with a couple two eight, two sub eight twenties. Right. So, Making this U.S. team, you're going to be need to be, what, probably 8.15 shape and have a good kick? Which is pretty standard for this event, right? Yeah, I don't know. Look, if they were considering doing Rome and they decided against it, I don't know really how you can spin that as a, 
mean, maybe we're overthinking this, but you would think if he was really fit and ready to go and they were considering it, he'd go out and do that, do it. But they also don't like leaving altitude right before the championship. So that's why I'm surprised they would even consider doing that race to begin with. Yeah, it should, it's going to be interesting. You know, Borg putting down that 813. He's won the last two U.S. titles. I think he's probably, he's good. He's still your favorite. But yeah, Brian Barraza and Travis Pony both broke 820 over the weekend in Nashville. You've got Mason Folick still hanging around in the mix, Olympian from last year. You got Jager, you got Isaac Updike. Yeah, it's good. Bernard Kido, Olympic finalist last year. Dan Mahalski, podcast listener. A lot of guys in the mix. I complain about these diamond leagues running the same events. Like they run a mile at Bowerman, then they run a 1500 robot, but maybe it's to save travel. I mean, this steeple has got, I mean, shit, Caprudo going to do another steeple. I mean, not Caprudo, oh, oh, Caprudo. I think that makes sense to do two, but Gurma is going to do a third steeple in the span of less than two weeks. So we got Bohr, Gurma, Caprudo all on Thursday in Rome. By the way, since we're going to be in Eugene, we're going to record the, the Friday 15 on Thursday right after the Roman Diamond League. Live instant reaction show. It'll be on Let's Run. It'll be on all your social media channels. If you don't catch it live, we'll put that up for the supporting club members as the Friday 15 podcast because Rome looks pretty good. One more thing on the steeple in Rabat. Huge props to the organizers in Rabat because not only, I mean, you're going to have a race for the Olympic champion, right? But they didn't do the British model, John, no offense, where you have a cream puff field and assume the person wins. They had the Olympic gold medalist taking on the Olympic silver medalist head to head. There's a chance, very good chance he could lose. But when the best go head to head, that's what the fans want. It's even better. It's better than the cream puff victory. So the British sort of, you know, trot out Laura Muir. Oh, you look at the start list miraculously. Oh, uh, I don't know who's not in the race. Um, Faith Kipiegan, who happens to not be in this Diamond League? Uh, this is what we need. I, I don't know. The sport should not be a glorified exhibition. Oh, so, I agree with you, Weldon. And the great thing about it is, let's say Gurma wins. But it's the same style of race. It's just these the two best guys in the event going down to the wire and battling. Guess what? You've created a rival there. All of the Moroccan fans are going to remember, hey, this is the guy that beat our guy. And some of them might dislike him for it. A lot of them, I'm sure they're going to respect him for it. But you're going to be... Exp- that's one guy that they might not have known before. He's just, oh, he's the guy that... You know, he's one of those faceless guys that El Bacali beat. And now they're going to know he's the guy who took Dan on champion. But hey, he's also a damn good steepler as well. So that's what you get. Even if your home guy doesn't win, you're still growing, you know, exposing another star or another big name to to a new country. Right, 100%. The sport benefits, actually. I mean, you don't necessarily want him to get beat, but having... If that happened, it's not bad. Oh my gosh, all, all the Moroccan fans go home disappointed. No, they go home pissed off and they're like, oh man, he's got to beat this guy. They're probably more likely to watch the worlds or be invested or talk to their friends about it. It's like, you know, sport, we need rivalries. That's what we need. It's just not about, very rarely is it about one person sort of dominating everybody else. Yeah. Especially when it's because of like lack of a formidable opponent. 
Walden just said something about he didn't want the sport to be a glorified exhibition. And I think that's one of the inherent problems with the sport is I always say every meet, save for Worlds or USAs where you're qualifying for something, is basically technically meaningless. Now, sometimes you're accruing points for the Diamond League final or prize money. But case in point, let's move to the Hinglo where they had the Ethiopian trials. So this meet did mean a lot to the Ethiopians because you needed to be in the top three to get your world championship ticket. But they also had people from other countries in there. And Eilish McColgan, give her credit. I mean, she just goes out there. She's got a 30, 50, 30, 58 or 30, 48 PB and just goes out in sub 30 pace. And the Ethiopians are like, bye-bye, we don't care. So she ends up destroying the field and winning in 30-19-02 to move to number two on the British rankings. And then the other Ethiopians behind her are battling it out for the top three spots. Let's think Gane is the top Ethiopian 30-44, the world record holder. It's Gaia Taye. Anyone remember her? we got to start remembering who these people are. I mean, she beat Gade at pre. People forget this. I mean, it was a bummer that they didn't get the world record. She did run 14-12 at pre. I completely forgotten that. She's third overall, second Ethiopian. The Kenyan Margaret Chalima is fourth. But the, getting the third spot is someone I'd never really heard of. Bosana Muleta, 30-47. She's only 20 years of age. Had never broken 31 before. It was a 14-54, 5,000 PP. So those are your world championship team members. Not making the team. And I was really pumped to see her. This was her first track race in a number of years. I think only like her second track race, maybe in five years. Former world record holder, 2016 Olympic champion, Maz Ayana, 3048. And then 217 marathoner, Yellow, white squared as we call her, was eighth in 3054.28. So, so many big names not making it because. I think they should do something about this. Why can't we have a wild card in the 10K? Give it to the Olympic champion in the year after the Olympics because there's no Diamond League champion. There's no to get the, to get the buy from. But you know that that wouldn't make a difference because Sifan Hassan is the Olympic champion and she's not from Ethiopia. In this case, it would not. But in the men's race, it would. It would. It, Robert, I do have a question for you, though. Do we still think that McColgan gets stomped by Gide and Tae at Worlds? Or does this change your, the fact that she won this race by 25 seconds, even though the Ethiopians didn't really try to go with her, does that change what you think she's capable of in Eugene? No, she still gets stomped. It, it did change a little bit for me. I was thinking, oh, Gide's not as good a shape. I didn't watch the race. I watched like the last lab of highlights of the last hundred meters, but I kind of thought, well, why if it's, if she's in 29 flat shape, wouldn't she just go with her? And then I thought, no, she probably doesn't want to run 30 minutes. Why would she bother? But I mean, Ty ran 14, 12 last week. You don't think 14, 12 is going to stop. I mean, John, you broke 30 minutes for 10,000 meters. True or false? True. And what's your 5,000 meter PB? 1425. Thank you. 1412 is going to stop 3019 time and time again. Yeah, no, well, then we, no, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I think, I don't know, maybe she could, 
depends on who else runs this really, but I don't think it's far-fetched to say she could possibly contend for a medal. I mean, who else is going to be in there apart from the Ethiopians? I guess you got Nian Saba. We don't know what Hassan's going to be up to. Helen O'Beary's on the roads, right? Or is Helen O'Beary coming back for the 10K and track? I don't think she has a 10,000 qualifier, right? So she's the reigning world champion. John, I think she expects to get stomped herself. I saw her post-race interview. She's like, yeah, I'm sort of shocked I dominated. I th- I knew that they were doing this championship race. Her goal was to break 30 minutes, though. I mean, she's running way better this year. I mean, she's always had the... It's a blessing and a curse, right? She's Liz McColgan's daughter. And everybody... I sort of... You know, that's everybody first knew her. And she was like a good British athlete, but never world-class, unlike her mom. But... She used to be a 1445K runner. Last year, 1428. She was a 31-minute 10K runner. Now she's 3019. I mean, huge step up in performance. I don't know if super shoes are helping her or what's helping her this year. But in her interview, she's like, I just kind of figured, hey, I'm trying to break 30, but that pace isn't that hard for them. I hope they go with me. I didn't expect to lead the whole way, but it also rained. So these three Ethiopians, it's a, it's a qualifying race, and that's why they're running it, right? There's probably zero incentive for them financially to beat Eilish McColgan, so they didn't, which I don't know. I'm looking Four at the Olympic final though. results from last year. I could see, I actually could see Eilish McColgan meddling this year because here's the finals from last year. Safan Hassan hasn't raced at all. Don't know what's up with her in 2022, but she's a giant question mark. Calcadon Gezahegne of Bahrain, second, also hasn't raced at all in 2022. Latessa Day in good shape. You know, I expect she'll medal, probably will beat McColgan. Helen O'Beary, moving up to the roads. Francine Ninsaba, I think, would beat McColgan. Ty of Ethiopia, I think, probably would beat McColgan. So, maybe, you know, but if one of them has a bad race, could I see her sneaking in for a medal? I don't think it's that crazy. Certainly far crazier things have happened in the women's 10,000. But the one other thing I would say about this race, we're saying why wouldn't they go with her? Well, it's kind of weird to me because do you remember this race last year? This is the race where Gide broke the world record. She did it at the Ethiopian Olympic trials. They had pacing lights and everything. And she did it in this meet and they, they didn't set it up that way. Even though they did use pacing lights for the men's 10,000, which was held the day before. So I'm kind of confused. I don't like using pacing lights in a championship trial or anything like that, so I'm glad they didn't use it for the women's race. But it's kind of confusing to me that they would use it for last year's trials and the men's trials, but not for the women this year. Wait, Obury's going to do Worlds? Not in the 10K. She has the buy as the defending champion in the 5K if she wants to use it, but she's not going to be running the 10,000. Because she beat McColgan at the Great Manchester run. And I guess I said it wrong, John. I don't know my Scottish. It's Eilish. Is that properly proper? I, I'm actually not uh, positive. I, I always thought it was Eilish McColgan. Eilish. Also, yeah, that's how you said it. 
Do you? But John, here's your chance to gloat. Scotland out of the World Cup. Come on, step on them when they're down. I mean, they, you know, they made it. As, this is as close as they've made. It's kind of actually impressive that they even got to the. They what? made it to the semifinals of the playoff, you know, and. 1998, the last, that was the last time they were in the World Cup, so. Disgusting, disgusting. John just kicks a man when he's down. John, Wales, here it's official now, Wales, Iran, United States, and Great, and I was about to say Great Britain and England in the World Cup. How embarrassed are you going to be when Wales and the United States advance over England? Like, what will you do? Will you resign from Let'sRun.com? Will you need, like, two months bereavement? What will happen? I mean, this ridiculous fantasy scenario, uh, I don't think I'm going to have to. If I do deal with it, it'll be incredibly embarrassing. I may need a, w- a week of bereavement leave, but uh, I pray it doesn't happen. And actually, while I'm talking about that, Helen O'Beary, she did run 30-24 in the Olympic 10K final last year. That would probably give her the standard for this year. So that actually could be on the table. As I say, you know, she hasn't raced that distance in 2022, but doesn't preclude her from running the 10K. So if she's in... If she does run Waltz, you know, that's a that's another potential person who would beat McColgan. And the Kenyan here, Margaret Kipkimoy. She won the silver in 2019 Worlds in the 5,000. She just ran 30-45. Yes, weird things have happened. But on the Friday 15 last week, we talked about how Jonathan hates the Scots. And Wait, I, I, oh, I just, it was fun and cheek. I want to thank Josh Kerr to hear it, but I, I have more respect for Scotland and Wales, particularly like all these milers come from Scotland, right? Josh Kerr comes from Scotland. Who else, John? Josh Kerr, Neil Gawley, Jake Whiteman complete competes for Scotland. If you hear Jake Whiteman talks, he sounds completely English. And, but I, I do think he grew up in Scotland. So he competes for Scotland as well. Yeah. He's, you know, he considers himself Scottish, I think. So, yeah, all three of them. And Chris O'Hare, too. The population is five billion. It's like I mean, when England bit John when John pummels them in soccer, it's like it's like California saying, Yay, we beat New Hampshire, Maine, and Montana combined. I mean Well, to be fair, we didn't pummel them when we played them at the Euros last year. It was actually a nil-nil tie, but uh we did advance to win we won our group. <laughs> I'll say that. All right, enough women's 10K talk. Let's talk about the men. I thought this was very interesting because the Olympic champ Selman Borrego wins it. At some level, that sounds obvious. Duh, wouldn't the Olympic champion win? But Barahu Aragawe, who's been so amazing this year and had run the 1250 at pre, he's only third. So it shows, I think, in the era of Mofero, we think, oh, the 5 and the 10 thing, the 10K are the same thing. I think it shows it's not always the same thing because Borrega is really good at the 10. Our guy may be better suited for the third. So Borrega first, Tedesi Worku second, Aragawi third to 26, 44, 45, and 46. And Yomif Kajelcha, the, the silver medalist from 2019, will not be on the team. I've always liked him. 26, 49, and fourth. Wait, wait a minute, Robert. That was your takeaway that Borrego is more suited for the 10K. Borrego has run 12.43. He's the world indoor champion at 3,000. To me, the bigger takeaway was Borrego knew last week at the pre-classic that he had a 10,000 trials to run a week later. And when he saw 
Berhu Aragari going out and trying to solo a 1250, he's like, yeah, I'll let him go. I'll just fight for second. I got to make this team next week. So to me, it's a little bit of Aragawi may have dug, you know, obviously he dug pretty deep to run that 1250, though. Uh, he didn't look that tired when he finished, but I think it was probably a bit of Aragawi being tired from last week versus Borrega maybe saving a little bit of himself for the trials this week in that race at Pre. That's a great turkey, actually, John. And I didn't realize the guy getting second work here. This is the world junior champ from last year and the 3000, right? Yeah. I got the 3000 world junior gold, 5,000 world junior silver. So he's a pretty highly regarded prospect, but that's a good point, John. I mean, maybe he just backed off. Like what, what do I want to burn myself out? That's what I think. Some of these guys though are who are racing. Like, the open steeper, like why is he racing every week? I know you want money, but you want to win the world title. And I'm stunned to actually look at this Thursday Rome start list. You've got this this the Rome five thousand is absolutely loaded. Mohamed, Olympic silver medalist, Aragawi, Borrega. Um another Ethiopian, Telahun Bakiles won twelve fifty two. Mukhtar Edris, the world champ, Yomif Kajelcha, Mukelsha Mengesa. I mean, this Remember, they normally pick their 5,000 team based on time. We're not sure if they're going to let people double. There's some indication that they might do that this year. They haven't done it. This could really be, how many more Diamond Leagues are there, John, before Worlds? This race on this weekend might be their unofficial 5,000 trials. So you run a 10,000 on Sunday, and then you've got to... And you did pre too, and you got to bang out another five thousand. If you don't break twelve fifty, you're not going to get to go to worlds. That's a tough way to make the team. Well, it's not twelve fifty. There's there's one guy who's run twelve fifty, but yeah, it, it, it is really tough. It's not the best system for selection. Ethiopia's never really had the best selection systems for picking their teams. Um, but yeah, it is. Re- I'm very excited to see this race. I mean, this is. Remember last year, like last year, the Florence Diamond League took the place of Rome, but it was basically the same meet. That was the best regular season 5,000, the one that Jakob Ingebrigtsen won. So I'm excited to see what that race looks like. Now, unlike in the 10,000, they do have a buy, right? Erigawi won the Diamond League final last year. But Edris is the defending world champion. He hasn't been in great form, so they could use it on either guy. They could use it on either it's pretty interesting to me. I mean, USATF, right? We would honor the world champion automatically. Yes. Over the Diamond League champion. Who knows what they do in Ethiopia? But I was saying on the message board, if I'm them, I'm letting Aragawi be on the team. Assuming Edris doesn't show much, but he hasn't shown much in recent years. But why would he run in this race if he thought he had no shot? He and also he three more spots. He didn't show that much in 2019. And he was the defending champion and showed up and ended up winning the whole thing. So they might say, hey, we gave him the buy and he showed up and delivered in 2019. Maybe he'll do the same in 2022. Also, one other thing, Robert, you talking about these people racing every other week or every week. Did you notice that your guy, Abel, kept saying, he was saying, please don't, you know, he was on the start list in Rabat last weekend. It would have been like his fifth race on four continents in five weeks, he actually did not end up running Rabat. He pulled out of the 1500. This agent must listen to the podcast, I guess. 
only logical explanation. Hey, Ethiopian Federation. Wait, we we they play. In case you don't listen to every podcast ever, and you've missed one in the past. They play portions of this podcast on Ethiopian. I believe it's state radio, at least the radio over there. They've played this before, so maybe they'll play this. I want the Ethiopians to allow people to double. But I also want, I think I like Kajelsa because he came to America. He speaks pretty good English. I want him to be on the team. So my new theory is let the superstars double. Like the guy that's going to win it, to be in it, to win it, double. But if you're third, maybe not. Like this Aragawi, he just gets third in this race. Is he really going to beat these guys at 10,000? You got chapter guy, et cetera, Borrega. You know, maybe he gets a bronze. I'm not saying, I mean, I guess, well, he's really damn good. So it's possible he could win the whole thing. But you could let Kajolcha run the 10 and then put him in the five. So you should, you know, if you win the race, you'll have to double. If you're the number one seed, you can double. Everybody else, not, if you're the third placer, you're not allowed to double. By the way, I was mentioning Edris. Guys, it, do you realize how what Edris's season was in 2019? I'm. It's kind of shocking. Ethiopia. I guess I don't know. They did have the defending Diamond League champion because Borrego is the defending champion. They had to buy with him, but they gave it to. Actually, no. Sorry, Chapter Guy won the Diamond League in 2019. He had to buy. But anyway, this was what Edris did leading into 2019 World Championships. He ran 7:45 for 11th in the Oslo 3000. He ran 13.29 for 17th in Lausanne in the 5,000. And then he ran 7.39 for second in that meet in Hungary on July 9th. He didn't race at all for the next two plus months, shows up to Worlds, wins the world title in 12.58. So he is like, you know... He could basically say, I did basically nothing last time and still won. This is why you should take me to Worlds again in 2022. Can you have anything? All we do is talk about Ethiopia in this podcast. Kenya's really hurting this year, aren't they? Uh, they have some pretty good marathonists. guy by the name of Kipchoge. And on the women's side, I mean, Faith Kipigon. But, you know, Kenya's still got some stars. But since Ingebrigtsen took over the 1500, yeah, they've got a Emmanuel Wanyonyi, Robert, the seventeen-year-old eight hundred star. So he's Kenyan. I'm not calling you a star if you can't break one forty-four. He broke one forty-four last year. Calling anyone in the men's eight hundred right now like a star would be like calling whoever wins the women's NCAAs this weekend a star. Like there's a U.S. high schooler that might be able to beat you in the women's NCAA. So. No, I'm kidding. The men's 800 has been down a little bit, but we'll see what happens. All right. Should we talk about a little NCA previews? We're really going to talk about that the, the Thursday. We'll do a little bit today. Or do we want to talk into the Shakari Richardson talk? Uh, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of silliness on Twitter about the Shakari thing. I, I do have some takes on it, but I'd honestly rather talk about the NCAA preview. Okay, John. Silliness. That's why I've been silent for the last five minutes. I've been trying to get caught, caught up to speed on this. I think it's a little more than silliness. There was some personal back and forth, but now we have a prominent former world championship team member, Sprinter, essentially making drug ac- accusations is what I can say. But you guys talk about NTAs. I'll, I'll try to get up to speed on these, these tweets because 
get deep in these replies by Ray's take, man. Oof. Yeah, so let's talk about NCAAs, guys. I mean, it's going to be an incredible meet. It always is. I always come away with from this meet. My jaw drops at least two different races pretty much every year have me astounded. I don't know what those races are going to be this year, but I know it's going to happen because it always does. So starting on the men, I mean, the sprints, basically all the sprint, flat sprint races are going to be fantastic. Men's 100, you've got Mikai Williams, who's run 986 this year. He's going to be threatening Christian Coleman's NCAA record of 982. Men's 200, Joe Farmbuller of Florida, who has one of the most insane closes in the history of sprinting. He's the defending champion. He's going up against Matthew Bowling. Both of them have run 1992 this year. And then the 400, Randolph Ross of North Carolina AT. He ran 4385 at this meet to win last year. He's undefeated this year. The collegiate record's 4361 by Michael Norman. I think that could be under threat. So all those events. And then Trey Cunningham. This is the craziest thing to me is when Grant Holloway broke the collegiate record in 2019, it had stood for 40 years. He was the first man under four, under 13 seconds in college in the 110 hurdles. I was like, well, that record's good. No, no one's touching that for about two decades. And now Trey Cunningham at regionals ran 13.07 into a 1.5 headwind. So some of the wind conversions have that as worth like a 12.91 in still conditions. So if he gets a friendly wind and good conditions, he might be able to break 13 seconds. That'd be so. All the sprint events basically are going to be fantastic. I think on the men's side. Well, and the women. I mean, the women are pretty good too, right? Women's 100. Join Alf- Alfred. 1081. You also have a 1088, 1092, 1093. I don't think well, 1081s within striking distance. Is Carrie Richardson's 1075, right, John? And then, and the women's 200. I mean, you got favor of Philly and. Abby Steiner, 21.96, 22.05. Yeah, and that's not even including U.S. Olympian Anavia Badal, who's run 21.95 last year. She might not even be in the top two, but that's how good that event is. You've got the top, two of the top three in the world this year in the, 110, in the 100 hurdles, Demisha Roswell of Texas Tech, Akira Nugent of Baylor. LSU's Aaliyah Armstrong has also run 12.33 this year. That was a little over the allowable wind limit. So yeah. All the sprint, I mean, the sprints are always great in NCAAs, but like here in particular, I think that, that you've got a lot of future stars in the field. But we do the distance events and let's run. That's what we specialize in. There's, I, I mean, what, what are you excited about? To me, I, I'm very excited to see the team phenoms. Caitlin Tui and Nico Young. Can they win their first NCAA title this weekend? They're both in the 5,000. They're both among the favorites. Robert, do you think either one of them wins the national title this weekend? I think Tui's going to do it. And I'm more excited about that race. Uh, that race is a 10 for me. The other race, I don't know. I'm not nearly as excited. Three or four. So we we're going to be mad about that. But why? Because everybody's in this women's 5,000. It's, it's loaded. I mean, I don't think that... Look, Nico Young is a great runner. I'm not denying it, but Caitlin Tui has like a fan club. She's been a big deal for a long time. She's got her YouTube channel, etc. I'm not saying that's everything, but she's the number one person in the NCAA in the 1500. She's run, what, 406. She's been hyped for such a long time. We've seen so many teen phenoms on the women's side just go away and never come back. She's come back with the... Does it make this meet last year? And now she's 
the top time in that 1500 and the favorite in the 5,000. If she wins it, it's absolutely amazing, but she's got her hands full because I mean, let's go through these other women in it, John. I mean, well, Taylor Rowe of Oklahoma State beat her indoors in the 3,000. So we know she she has the possibility of winning. And then Abby Nichols of Colorado has just been unstoppable this year. She won the 5K and 10K at Pac-12s. She ran 15-15 for 5K, which is only one second slower than Tui has run this year. So I think... Yeah, and then you've also got the women doubling back from the 10K, which is going to be Mercy Chalangat of Alabama and Lauren Gregory of Arkansas, who are both top talents as well. Chalangat's a former NCAA cross champion. You know, Gregory's been up there in NCAA finals in the past. Those two, I'm a little less inclined to say are going to challenge just because the 10K, 5K double can be tough, but... Between Rowe and Nichols at Tui, we could see a, a really nice battle like the ones we got indoors where Tui was second at 3K and 5K. And one other thing I should say, I referred to Tui as a team phenom a minute ago. She actually turned 20 in March, so she's no longer a team phenom. But no- normally to me, the 5,000 is a little bit watered down. People don't double back. It's the end of the day. It's hot, etc. The women's 5,000 seems loaded. Contrast that to the men. Because I don't think Nico Young's even the best 5,000 guy. In fact, I know he's not the best 5,000 guy on his own team. So if Nur's in there, I'm giving the win to him. So it would be cool to see Nico win it. And I think he's got a good shot to win it. But I'm by far, the thing I'm most excited about distance-wise is the women's 5,000. What about you, John? What is your top mid-D or distance event? Yeah, that that is the one race I'm most excited for uh, I would say of all of them on the men's side what am I most excited for I think Noah's going to win I pro- I think it's the 5k for me as well on the men's side because I'm fairly confident Abdi Noah's going to win the 10k the 1500 is good I mean you have the collegiate record holder Elliot Kipsang of Alabama in the 1500 but you also just got stomped by Mario Garcia Romo and I'm very interested to see how this guy, Anas Asaye of South Carolina does. He's from Morocco. He beat Garcia Romo earlier this year. And this was, he beat him when he was, it was during Ramadan. So he'd been fasting all day and kind of threw off his training for about a month. So he had a little injury. He didn't run the SEC championships. This is his first time in NCAAs, but he was an Olympian from Morocco last year. So he absolutely could win this thing. I'm excited to see how that plays out. And then 800 is also interesting. We've got the world leader, Moad Zahafi. You said, you know, you can't call anyone a star in the 800 unless they break 144. Well, guess what? He's the only guy in the world to do it this year. He's from Texas Tech, also Morocco. And he's running against Brandon Miller, who's the NCAA indoor champion, who didn't really have a great regular season, was only sixth at SECs, but then comes back at regionals and look like his old self. So I'm, that's going to be good. But yeah, I think it's probably the 5K with Nico Young and Morgan Beagle, Beetle Scum and some of those guys in there. By the way, folks, I hope you guys are coming and gals are going to the front page. That's how you can stay on top every day, to stay on top of the running news and reading our articles because John spends a lot of time. Like John's had this stat in one of our articles. No Moroccan has ever won an NCAA title. 
I'm like, John, how do you know that? He's like, I went through the list of every single NCAA title person. It took me quite some time just to confirm it. But I would love to know, John, this this Moroccan guy in the 5,000 that goes to South Carolina that doesn't even have a cross-country team, like, how in the hell did he end up there? That's just fascinating. Maybe he was, maybe he wanted to go somewhere where they want, if he's not injured, like, but it doesn't undermine also the importance of a coach. I can't imagine if they don't have a cross country team, that they have a powerhouse distance squad. Yet this guy is, shows you that this coach is good enough, or maybe he's being coached remotely from home. Who knows? But he's good enough to get this guy as a potential NCAA champion. That's why I'm hearing Eugene Robert. Get him in the mix zone and ask him why he came to South Carolina. That's boots on the ground reporting. So I plan to ask him that tomorrow, assuming he makes the finals in the after the prelims on Wednesday. There was another great stat in your article about in the women's uh, 1500. You think that? Uh... Well, I think it's going to be Michaela De Janeiro of Colorado. And basically, I'm not doing some grand analysis. I just looked at her stat, her last lap split in the Pac-12 B, and I was like, wait, she closed her, she won Pac-12s, she ran 413, and she closed her last lap in 59.5. No one else in college can do that. I'm sorry. If she does that in the NCAA final, no one's touching her. Like, that, closing sub-60 for a 413 in college, very few, like, basically one person can do that per year, if that. And it's Michaela De Janeiro this year. So, yeah, I thought it was a good pick, a good analysis, but the thing that stunned me was nobody's won the 1500 in the mile in the same year since 2010. You think that would happen all the time. That was when Charlotte Browning did it. I'm like, I, I had to ask myself who the hell is Charlotte Browning? Miss Browning. I apologize to you. If I don't, for not knowing you, well, do you know who she is? Like, what is she up to now? How many Olympic teams did she make? Name sounds familiar. What's she up to now? Sorry. I've been reading Ray's take here. Really getting sidetracked here anyway she was a brit she didn't make any olympic teams her pb came actually in 2010 remember back when if you broke 410 it was like shocking in nca 409.86 she actually ran that after the nca season to run 202 that year as well so anyways should be a fun meet we'll break it down well the tens will be over when we next talk but read the previews we've got four previews Mid-deep for the women and the men. Mid-deep for the long-distance men. I think, John, I may make you write just a brief thing tomorrow or the meet starts tomorrow on the sprints. Just like like these notes that we have here for the podcast about how sick they are. So, all right, well, then we need to get out of here. John's got to have a beer with a local in Eugene to get some inside scoop in about 15 minutes. Why don't you briefly summarize what people are talking about? Because not everyone's on Twitter. People have no idea what we're talking about. This Shakiri Richardson, Ray's take argument well then i think i'm gonna have to wait for you guys to explain this section on the podcast when i listen to it on wednesday because i have to head out you know shake some hands kiss some babies cnbc and eugene so might as well make the most of it while i'm here i hope that that's okay with you guys good thing you're going out late john the rule applies. Any supporting club members run into the John tonight. First beers on us. So John will be at some undisclosed location tonight. All right. I'll try to summarize this Ray's take, Shakari Richardson feud, quickly. It started out, USATF posted an image on Twitter promoting the USATF Classic this weekend with Shakari Richardson's photo on it. 
And she tweeted out on Twitter, stop posting my name and image for clickbait. Ray's take on Twitter, who is Ray Edwards. He's a sprint coach now, former 10.0 sprinter, made the world's team for the U.S. in the 100 meters in 2009, I think. Very good runner. He's got a YouTube channel. I find him interesting. He just replied on Twitter, well, damn, she done told USATF pretty much don't use my name in, to market the sport. Imagine if LeBron did this, blah, blah, blah. And they'd already been arguing earlier in the day because she had made it be known that she was mad at the Prefontaine Classic. She told us that at Preclassic, I, I kept telling them not to photo me while I was warming up. Then they were, they, they would act like they would respect my wishes, but they'd try to sneak record me, even though I did not give my consent. And he responded, wait, so you're the self-proclaimed best to do it. You wanted the stardom, you asked for it, and now you don't want the media to do their job. Okay, maybe hanging out in Hollywood has added confusion. You don't have paparazzi following you. I'm done. So Shikari didn't like that. She went through Ray's Twitter feed, found his post from June 1st, where he posted the world's 2009 photo where he raced Usain Bolt. And he got injured, says he blew out his hamstring into the race. She says, he makes all the excuses just to be another blogger, crying emoji. He wasn't even the race just to do all that. And then that's where it got really nasty. Robert, I don't know if I should read this next tweet because he's deleted it now. Yes, you. What do you mean? He sent it out. You read it. I just feel bad. I mean, he's apologized for this tweet, but I I think, yeah, we should probably, I mean, yeah, journalistically, we should say what it said. He said, hey, I actually failed a drug test for weed and I didn't lie and say it, it was because of my mother who passed away. Now, this is the part that's just disgusting. The same mother you never knew and gave you up, Shakari. Stay in your place. LOL, I know too much, so stay in your place. Because I can, will take you and your camp down. So ignore the insult about the mom. He's saying, I can take you and your camp down. That's sort of hinting in my mind about drug stuff. Or something unsavory. That doesn't apply to me. And we're not talking marijuana. How would you take the whole camp down unless you're talking PEDs? Right. And then he went off from there in his replies. He said, y'all better stop her. That's all I'm going to say. If y'all chair sport and track and field, y'all better stop her. I've got, quote, receipts, Jack. I got addresses. I got locations. You go tell her to pipe down. You don't want to put next another tweet. You don't want to play this game. You really don't care, do you? And the beauty of it is I don't either. And then he's got a screenshot, essentially, of someone saying, boy, let me tell you this. This shit is so rigged. After giving my people their booster, you would not believe the shit I've seen. This track is so rigged with hydraulics, rigged, meaning drugs. Don't be surprised if Shakari beat Flojo's record. Fastest woman about to change. I mean, I'm still looking through these things because I'm looking at Thread and Let's Run. Someone said there's also a pic of a conversation featuring a vial of testosterone that he alleges Shakari's coach paid 25k for. A conversation with someone saying that SCR, which means Shakari Richardson, Dennis Mitchell had lost her position, so she's going to scratch from a race. So, I mean, there's just a lot here. He's throwing it out. I mean, it's very raw. They're both. I mean, Shakari is one of the most raw, 
I don't know if the word authentic is the right one, but she sort of just says what's on her mind. And people are sort of called out Ray, and he apologized for the tweet about the mom. But he also said, I'm the, quote, nicest person, unquote, you'll ever meet. I'm also, quote, the worst person to piss off. I embrace my Gemini moon. So I guess he's in the Gemini moon phase because he's unloaded a bit on Twitter. It'll be interesting to see what happens. This is just not good for the sport. Well, Robert, I don't know. I mean, I think rivalries, well, he, he's not an athlete, but but c- controversy, the sport being in the media is a good thing. But when it's somehow tied to PEDs, I don't think it's a good thing for the sport. And the m- most, well, not the most prominent sprinter in the world, but the most prominent female sprinter, well, her or Sydney in the US, she, she's probably might be more well-known than Sydney, which is crazy. I find it wildly entertaining. The thing I don't know, though, is... I mean, I, I only see Ray's, like, highlights on Twitter, you know, his videos and stuff. I was thinking I should do a podcast with him, but doesn't he... Does he always... I should find out more about this, but... Like, didn't last year he say there was a huge drug bust going down, and, of course, it didn't happen. So wasn't how we isn't that how we found him last year? So maybe he's just making some of this stuff up. Be interesting to see what goes down there. Yeah, I mean, this is just one person sort of I mean you gotta put the context out there, right? He did say stuff, I think it was a Jamaican bust last year at the Olympics. Some people pulled out with COVID. So yeah, everything wasn't hundred percent accurate. So all of this is just allegations. We're just trying to report what they're saying. Doesn't mean anything, but this isn't just some anonymous random spouting off on the internet. This is a former world championship team member, still pretty prominent in running circles who would seem to know some stuff. I mean, doesn't mean he doesn't have grudges to settle and, or also he's hearing hearsay from third party people. But not the best look for the sport, but entertaining in the sense of like a car wreck is entertaining, right, Robert? Yeah, but you got to talk to her. I mean, I'm assuming she, if she's smart, she'll decline to talk to the media in New York. If I was her, I'd never speak to the media and just. But someone should not be. I mean, this they should not be having this argument on Twitter. I mean, Carey fascinates me in so many ways, but. She signed up for a meet. It's just standard. They can use your image to promote it. I mean, maybe she's going to change the rules, right? Some of these top golfers are like, hey, you're not paying me enough. Well, then she shouldn't run the meet, right? I guess that's the other argument. Don't run the meet, which will be, I think, on national television. I think it's on NBC this week, and it's in New York City. So that, in theory, is getting Nike some publicity. That's why she's being paid to run. So it works both ways. But... the. We've seen it all with her. I mean, she's really captivated the greater public. I don't think this one will get picked up by the greater public, but the running world, I think it's going to catch on to this one for sure. I mean, if I stay at a hotel, I'm good at playing devil's advocate. They can't use me in an advertisement unless I agree to be in the advertisement. I was talking to my good buddy, Chris Lear, off of his running Buffalo. He's like, NFL players and stuff, that's why they have a union. Everything's... You know, you can't use your name and image unless you get paid. 
The, the rich, the richest of the rich. Robert, been... that's just completely not true. NBC runs promos for every single track meet using the athletes all the time. They're not getting paid for that thing. It's part of the deal of being an NFL player. Yeah, most road races, it says it. I agree. I think she's in the wrong here. I am just saying, well, then it's not a I'm big sure deal. it's in the, co- it's just standard. If USATF doesn't have it in the contract, they're a bad lawyer. By entering this meet, we, you know, we can use your image and likeness in promoting the meet. I mean, I, that's just such standard thing. That's how the sporting world works. What I don't get is why does she think Nike pays her? They want her to be in track meets that are on TV so people talk about her. And then we are talking about her. So well done, Donaghy. Well done. All right. It's been a long podcast. We should have had Tim and Schwartz on as the guest today, but we didn't have time for them. Remember, Thursday after the Roman Diamond League, we'll go live. We'll break down Rome. We'll preview NCAs. The 10th case will be in the bag, or I guess the men's 10K will be in the bag. The women's 10K will be about to happen. Why I think about it. Until then, Robert Johnson signing off. Robert, this podcast actually isn't that long. It's just midnight. That's what's going on. And supporting club members. You always want to be a supporting club member. I'm going to try to turn this around tonight, get it out with you guys. Probably no show notes till the morning. But we always treat you guys best. So join the supporters club today. And if you want me to coach you this summer, let's run.com slash coaching. We've had a lot of supporting club members. I think a lot of adults have been signing up for the summer plan, but I designed it for high schoolers. You want to run 2806 like Weldon Johnson? Let's run.com slash coaching. Detail workouts every day of the summer. Not too late to train with the best this summer. Everyone, you've got to check this out. The Airwave Endurance Performance Mouthpiece is here. We talked about this in the past. The Airwave Mouthpiece that directs your tongue down and increases your airway opening by up to 25%. They now have refined this and released the Endurance Performance Mouthpiece This can reduce your respiratory rate by 20%, which means less lactic acid, faster recovery times. It can reduce cortisol buildup by 50%. They've peer-reviewed published research by Dr. Dina Gardner of the Citadel. They are now a supporting partner of USA Triathlon. 16 years of research went into this, and Airwave released its first product in late 2020. They now have the Endurance Performance Model. Check it out. If you go to airwave.com slash LR10, you can save 10% off. That's airwave, A-I-R-W-A-A-V.com slash LR10. Link in the show notes. Check it out today. Take your performance to the next level.